This is 15 Minutes with the Doctor, episode 26. Welcome to 15 Minutes with the Doctor, the 15 minute appointment where we share powerful stories from healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators so you can grow your idea of business. Uh huh. Just to say hello to your host, Dr. Vinay Shankar. Dr. Vinay Shankar. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me on this episode. What I didn't expect when I was thinking about recording live from the Digital Healthcare Conference was that I'd be recording from a staircase at the Excel Centre in London. It was a little awkward asking guests to follow me to the staircase, but it was the quietest place there and I've got two great guests giving you a snapshot of two unique products. First up, from Skin Vision, we have Programme Manager Luz van Egmond. SkinVision is a smartphone app that allows users to upload a photo of a skin lesion and get an assessment within 30 seconds. They are trying to improve early detection of skin cancers and subsequently make treatment more affordable. From NeedleSmart, we have CEO Cliff Kirby. NeedleSmart is a device that destroys a hypodermic needle in the fraction of a second by heating it to an excess of 1,300 degrees Celsius. The product has the potential to reduce costs and improve the process for Sharp's disposal. Enjoy the show. I'm recording today at the Digital Healthcare Show in London, and I've got Luz with me, who is the Programme Manager at SkinVision. Tell us a little bit about SkinVision, Luz. Well, thank you. Yeah, so uh, SkinVision drives early de- detection of skin cancer by transforming your smartphone into a medical device. And we have a machine learning algorithm that can uh, analyze your skin spots, which is as accurate as a dermatologist at this point in time. So we really empower people to self-check their skin for early signs of skin cancer. How long has the app been running for? So the company was founded back in 2012 and the first couple of years we really invested heavily in the technology and um, getting to the sensitivity rates that we are at right now. I think the service was launched in 2015. So we've been on the market for about three to four years. We have 1.2 million downloads globally and about 180,000 of those are from the UK. Wow. So lots to dig into this. You've had 1.2 million assessments done through the service. And you mentioned accuracy there. How accurate is the service in terms of diagnosing specific lesions? Could you tell us a bit more? Yeah. So the latest version of our algorithm, which we deployed earlier this year, has a sensitivity of 95% for recognizing melanoma and 97% for non-melanoma skin cancer. So basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma. Okay, that's really high. And how does that compare to, say, GPs and dermatologists? Yeah, so what you see is uh, GPs get limited amount of training on dermatologies, uh, about two weeks in general. And that includes psoriasis, acne, uh, all the likes. So they would have a sensitivity of about 60%, uh, is what literature shows. And a dermatologist would be ranging somewhere between 75 to 90s, 90 plus, depending on their experience and their uh, specialization in skin cancer. 
So that's much higher than than a typical, you know, as a GP, we just see skin lesions quite often, but not on that level that a dermatologist would, un- or definitely not on the level that you're up with three point, you said 1.2 million. How many lesions or images were used to develop the algorithm? Yeah, so we have over three and a half million pictures in our database now. And when we test or when we develop a new version of the algorithm, we would need about 100 to 150,000 clinically validated pictures. So we have in-house dermatologists that validate all of the pictures that are taken on our platform. And we use that specific data set to train the algorithm. And then we have a set of histopathology validated pictures where the user ends up sharing the histopathology report with us, which we use to test the accuracy of the algorithm. Wow, so a lot of work going into developing and making the algorithm accurate. So you're based in Holland and you're expanding now into the NHS and the UK? Yeah, so the team is based in uh, in Amsterdam indeed and we operate globally from there. We're available across the globe apart from the US because we need to have FDA uh, Mm -hmm. approval for that specific market. UK has always been an interesting market for us because a lot of pale skin and uh, yeah, a significant shortage of dermatologists. So I think the best practice internationally is to have one dermatologist for every 50,000 citizens. And in the UK, there's one for every 115,000 citizens. So you can see there's a lot of pressure on the system and really, really strive to serve as a filter, releasing the pressure from the dermatologist and making sure they can spend their time on those people that actually need care that are at risk. And the skin lesions, they're a good way to harness the technology that we're seeing in digital health, you know, camera advances, smartphone advances, and obviously machine learning and AI. Where do you see the company being in five years' time? So I think in five years' time, I mean, we've set a company mission to save 250,000 lives in the next decade. So in order to reach that goal, we need to put our service in the hands of as many people as possible. So hopefully in five years from now, we'll have a a good user base across Europe, uh, US, uh, Australia, New Zealand and Asia as well. Uh, And we might even be looking at other skin diseases uh, to also uh, analyze those on our platform. People or startups typically say to me that the NHS can be a difficult market to get into or to crack. How are you progressing your work with the company here? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So I think the NHS is an extremely complex uh, organization. So we're part of the NHS Innovation Accelerator, which okay. are very fortunate because they that network of the academic health science uh, networks, they really help us to navigate the organization and the different bodies. Uh, so that's been extremely helpful for us as a, as a non-British company. And when did you join the Accelerator program? Earlier this year, I think it was launched in March. So it's fairly fresh. Yeah. Just to go back a little bit, where did this idea come from? And why was the company started in the first place? Well, I think it's because we have this, we all see that healthcare costs are rising and it becomes a major challenge how we're going to keep healthcare affordable in the future. And we see that by driving early detection, you can really make the treatment much more affordable and the rising cost of immunotherapy is putting a lot of pressure in terms of affordability. So if you can minimize that specific group that needs those advanced and expensive treatments, then for the system as a whole, it remains affordable. And the beauty of skin spots is it's quite visual. 
that's why we thought that it would make sense to develop such a service for the general public. Yeah, when I think about what your service is doing, there's many other services out there that are looking at lung nodules and cancer. So a lot of work going around imaging and, and diagnosis and skin lesions are, is a particularly good area to, to get into. And I presume you were one of the earlier ones out there. Is, do you have any other competition worldwide or in Europe? So I think there's a lot of initiatives about helping people deal with suspicious skin spots. So you will have initiatives where people can take pictures of their skin spots and then set reminders in three months' time to check it again, and then they can track changes themselves over time. There's no intelligence behind it necessarily. And then there's initiatives that are targeting healthcare professionals like yourself. So you could have a dermatoscope with the algorithm supporting it to help you in your diagnosis. We're the only CE-certified, scientifically validated app that's targeting consumers directly. Yeah, it's the first time I've I've heard about the product and the app today. So I was very interested in your talk that I, I listened to earlier. And to summarize what happens um, for people who don't know, you take a picture and um, that's analyzed within the app by the algorithm. And then it gives you a risk profile. And then you do, you take that to your GP or your dermatologist. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So anyone can download our app. We're available on iOS and Android. You take a picture of your skin spot. Um, within 30 seconds, you know whether it's high or low risk. And if it's high risk, then we would follow up with you and our customer care team will make sure that you actually visit your healthcare professional and support you in sort of the rest of your patient journey. That's excellent. So then do you also follow up those patients who are high risk and then see what the actual diagnosis was to validate the initial uh, suggested high risk category from the app? Absolutely. So we'll always ask our, our user base, have you been to the doctor? What did the doctor say? Can we help you in any kind of way? And if they if they had it removed, what was the outcome? So what was the histopathology result? That's excellent. So how much does the app cost and, and how can people access it? Yeah, so anybody can download it in the App Store. Uh, a single check would be £4. And for £25, you can have an unlimited year plan and check all the skin spots that you want. Okay, so really appreciate you taking the time out from the conference to come and have a chat with me. Where can people get in touch with you if they are interested in the product or, or want to learn more? Sure, so they can go to our website. It's uh, skinvision.com and uh, there's more contact details there if they want to learn more. Okay, so I'm at the Digital Healthcare Conference today. And my second guest today is Cliff. He's the CEO and founder of NeedleSmart. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Okay, Cliff, could you tell us a little bit about what NeedleSmart does and your journey to where you are at the moment? NeedleSmart's a new product in the marketplace. It destroys a hypodermic needle in a fraction of a second. The method by which it does this is it heats it to 1300 degrees in a split second and then compresses the molten metal into a a small ball at the end of the plastic hub. What are the benefits of using NeedleSmart to current methods of how practices and hospitals might dispose of needles now? We see several tiers of benefits uh, primarily. And in the early days, it was all about there must be a better way of destroying a needle or disposing of a needle. And we achieved that. However, now, as, as we look at the product, we offer a multiple level of benefits. We've got no longer a sharp, which is key. It's safe, it's sterile, and it can be disposed of in a different manner. So there is obvious cost-saving benefits there. As we look beyond that, each of our products now are 
effectively data capture hubs. They all carry onboard microprocessors and have their own onboard Wi-Fi enabled solutions. We're now looking at can we make that machine to machine enabled as well, which allows you to gather vital information such as uh, needle usage, where it was used, timestamp, date stamp. We can start to look at could that be linked to patient criteria and vaccination programs. So start to build an, an eco cycle. And then at the back of all of that, then reorder the needles without any further need for supply chain intervention. Okay, so there's a lot going on with what seems like a process where I typically at the end of a clinic might just drop a needle into the needle bin. Talk me through that then. So I've got, um, I've just done a steroid injection on somebody's knee and I've got the needle. What happens specifically with your machine and, and how does that integrate, you said, with the record as well? How would that work? Yeah, I think it's important to, to realise that on a territory by territory basis is how you can interact with with patient data. So in certain countries, the criteria is very different. If we just look at the UK, for argument's sake, there is a, a direct opportunity whereby as you destroy the needle, as you pop it into the needle smart unit, as opposed to popping it into a sharp spin, um, we're gathering the information of the type of needle that you've just used, where you've used it, and that can be linked directly to resupply. So Instead of there being a purchase requisition of someone going into a cupboard and counting stock, it can automatically reorder that stock and send it straight back to your practice, your your theatre or whatever that might be. So once you've got the needle smart device, is there any replaceable parts to it? Currently, obviously, these are disposed, the items are disposed of and collected by the specialist services. How does that bit work? Yeah, we're exploring how we can actually occupy that space with community health, for example, um, talking with a few territories across the UK now on that on that very subject. The key point is that the needle is not waste in any manner within the product. So within the needle smart unit, there is no waste stream. All of the needle has been destroyed and is part of the metal sphere. Um, there is then a conversation to be had as well. Should that be sent via a, a sharp, it's been and collected via public health as, as is the current process, or could that be some sort of collecting return system in a, a highly secure recyclable container, for example? That waste would be clinical waste. So I presume there's some restrictions or are the pathogens or any blood products, for example, completely destroyed when it's heated to, did you say, 1,300 degrees? That's absolutely correct. So it does genuinely receive the nuclear treatment. We have to take stainless steel past the point of, of melting, which is just north of 1,300 degrees. And um, that does indeed destroy anything that's sat on the needle. We've had that verified by a number of academic institutions, and there is there is no virus or pathogen sat around the the actual needle smart product or on the needle that has been destroyed. Your point of a clinical waste is absolutely correct. It is still clinical waste by virtue of what might be sat inside the syringe, for example. But we're not here to tell people how they should dispose of that. We're here to offer a, a real-time solution at the front end of the process. Okay. It's a really interesting and niche product. Talk us through your journey. How did you get to where you are at the moment? So my background is um, I am a mechanical design engineer and, and that's that's what I, I did as a profession. I was projects director for a, a large American corporate um, in that space and I, and I was responsible for launching their product portfolio. So everything that took it from the sales concept right the way through to the commercial delivery. And as part of that, I was then asked by a third party to look at a, what was then a needle destruction device. And I very quickly realized that trying to work on a competitive product that was not fit for purpose was only ever going to end in failure. 
but it did put my head into the space of, of med tech and the starts the journey of Needle Smart. And did you design the product from scratch or is it things that you've put together that have made it into the effective product that it is now and, and marketable product that it is now? I think I've had strong influence on the early stage design. I was, I was one of the key designers with myself and a partner at the time. I am by no means the intrinsic part of the design. Now we have a, a full design and development team that are they're incredibly talented and they, they effectively satisfy the vision that I'm putting forward for the business. And how many locations are you based in at the moment and where would you like to see your growth in England or, or worldwide? It's a really interesting question is, as we sit here today, we've, we've probably got in excess of, of 18, 20 trusts across England taking feasibility product offers. Um, in, in a different manner, some directly looking at the, the benefit or reduction in needle stick injury and the cost against disposal, other trusts taking more of a data stance on it. And you, can this really add value to us from a supply chain or data capture point of view? Being a UK citizen, I'd dearly love to see us in the, uh, the NHS uh, at volume. It is fair to say that international markets see the product very, very quickly as you move into the Far East and, and the high technology territories like Japan. They really see the true value of being able to grab all of the data and, and create a hub to deliver not only the patient record, but the resupply and the point of destruction all in one, one product. From your perspective so far, what would you like to see here in the UK, in the NHS that would help people like yourself who've got innovative designs and products that could change the way, you know, we're operating, even with smaller things like simply disposing of a shop, what would you like and what do you think would help you to gain better access to UK healthcare and, and our patients here? Yeah, I think one of the things that is is easily missed in the world I, I'm from is, is a thing called early adoption and access to people on the clinical face of things who could just be given a, a little bit of time to assess the product and buy in or give you honest feedback. There is absolutely no way that a design team who aren't from a, a medical background can deliver a medical product to the marketplace without some help and some support. And while we have a, a significant network across the, the UK of things like the Innovation Agency or part of the ASHN, and um, which are fantastic entities, really what people need or what SMEs need is is strong, active influence and access to this working space where they hope to put their products so that ultimately, if it does arrive in their product, uh, into their space, you, you find yourself with something that is actually usable and, and will be there for a long time to come. So how do you think we could do that? What would you need? Would you, would you need clinical link workers specifically? What kind of people would you need? This is not, um, this is not new practice, this this exists extensively outside of the NHS markets. It's something that I'm incredibly familiar with, with my background working across multiple market sectors. It's known as voice of the business or voice of the customer. And it's that feedback loop that allows the iterative changes to happen within a product before it becomes a physical breathing entity. So, so basically, before the real money has been spent on the manufacturing processes or stock or accreditations or standards achievements, is being able to engage early, get the acceptance of a relatively small audience. I accept that, but but it's people who have worked in that space and, and they've they've got real world experiences of what they would expect from it and how it could add value to their working life. Interesting thoughts. Lots of work to be done. Often I've had guests on the show tell me how difficult it has been, particularly in some European markets, including the NHS, and how to get their, their product out there. I just wanted to return 
to the cost savings bit, which you mentioned initially. What have your early figures shown in terms of how much cost savings could be realized and how much does the product cost? So as we sit here today, um, we're to, talking with a number of trusts around a model that would sell the product at around about £350 in the UK market alone. Um, the, there are then conversations to say, well, actually, should this be a, a capital purchase or so should it be some sort of lease stroke licensing model to allow the resupply or, or the maintenance or service contracts to take place with, with little or no white noise in the process? The other side of the coin is that... Um, We've got a product there that's ready for sale. We've got two products behind it. So the market penetration of this first product really just serves to access the market for two products that serve specific areas to come. When you're talking about that, I was thinking, how many sharp spins are there in the UK? I presume the, the market for you is huge. Are we talking into the millions or, or do, do you have a rough figure on how many sharp spins there are? Is that something you've not thought of? The number of sharp spins has been calculated several times okay. over, and um, it is it is a floating target. Yeah. It's the size of the market. We we don't claim for for one minute that we'll ever get rid of a sharp spin. There there is just so many different variations of what defines as a sharp. We offer a real time improvement on that cost. So, for argument's sake, if the uh, needle smart unit was used specifically in a vaccination program, and you did nothing but put those syringes and needles into a sharp spin you would see in excess of a 50% capacity increase. So half the disposal cost is, is a very simple way to put that. There is then arguments or conversations happening that say, well, actually, could that could that destroyed needle then go straight into a clinical waste bag? Because ultimately it will find its, its same destruction method at the end of that journey. And then the cost saving incrementally increases aligned with that. There are also conversations, could this be a recyclable entity? But when you start to do the maths on the amount of metal that's produced, right. it it becomes quite a distant target. And the challenge at the moment is is convincing um, old embedded process that this could really add value to the system. I appreciate you taking the time out from other people in the conference today and having a chat with us and just giving us a snapshot about what Needle Smart is about. Where can people learn more or where can people get in touch if there's something that this is something that they'd want to adopt in their work? If anyone wants to get in touch with the business, indeed, if they're at the show today, we're on Stand M60. The best method of in reaching the business is either contacting inquiries at needlesmart.com or finding us via Twitter, which is the handle at needlesmart. Okay, thanks again. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes with the Doctor at slash 15 Minutes with the Doctor. Uh-huh. Dr. Vinay Shankar. Uh-huh. Dr. Vinay Shankar. That's what's up.